Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello and welcome to the first Nintendo Voice Chat of 2000. 23. This is episode 643. I am your host, Seth Macy. Joining me here today, no relation to Florian Schneider, Pear Schneider. Happy New Year, Tendo 64. Ah, uh, from the Mountain Stronghold, Reb Valentine. I'm very powerful and very high up. <laughs> 
And of course, industry legend Cat Bailey returns triumphantly to ring in the new year. Hi, Seth. I'm living in a water world right now, a water <laughs> level. Yeah. Turn on that oh. water music. I instantly thought you meant the Kevin Costner's water. No, yeah, I, I mean, though, we're getting to that point. Yeah. Well, I've seen dry land. It exists. <laughs> we in California usually don't have any water on the ground or in the air. We're so. not used to this whole water. Thing. Very confusing to us. It's yes. in the ocean. It goes, no. the water goes in the ocean and that's where it stays. Yeah. Mm. I went outside and it burns. It burns. So you're telling me the ocean is somehow uh, rising up on the, like falling from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. A plague of ocean is foretold. A plague from. of ocean. I, yeah. I it's so I feel so so many ways about it because I'm from Kansas and I lo I love rain. I miss I, I moved here a year ago and I miss rain so much. But uh, infrastructure is not prepared here for this much rain because it's not normal. And so everything is just falling and cascading and flooding and and. I know that they're, they're coming up with new words to say rain, like they're aerial rivers and land spouts oh, yeah. and like cyclone. Rain? You mean rain? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I'm glad you're all safe and I'm glad you're all here with us today. For those who don't know, uh, the Bay Area is getting rocked with like a massive nine inches of rain, just crazy storm that uh, will make a lot of snow in the mountains. So if you're a skier, good, good for you. Ten feet probably of new fresh powder. But before we get into it, a very exciting show about our Nintendo 2023 preview, I need to give a little update on NVC Mouse. For those of you who've been listening for a while, uh, when Kat was, uh, you were, I think, on an adventure, sailing around the world. I'm always on find... adventures. Well, that is true. This was a nautical adventure where you had like five medallions and you had to find the sixths in order to unlock uh, the secrets. Single was uh, helping me get the treasure maps. Yeah. I really hated that side quest. That's ended up being my vacation. Yeah, it was a bummer of a vacation. But while you were gone, a little mouse joined us here on oh. NVC and completely disrupted the show. There is the NVC mouse. Look I have an update on NVC mouse. NVC oh, mouse no. doesn't live here anymore. No. Oh, no. Uh, NVC mouse has got really emboldened and was just making a real mess everywhere. There, that. Yeah. That is oh not like gosh. a zoomed in. That is how close NVC mouse it's was really to cute. me. Uh, as he was pulling threads from the carpet to make a nest somewhere. So uh, I I got a live trap and I caught NVC Mouse and I released him near the town dump because I figure if there's a place that a, a mouse would really like to live, it's where there's just trash. Did you cover your license plate when you dropped it off? Because I think it's going to come and follow you back. <laughs> no, it said specifically on the trap to release it two miles from your house. So okay. the town dump is 2.1 miles. I so, say we get it on as a fifth host. Yeah. We need a mascot. Mouse Beyond cat. has uh Beyond has Max Scoville's dog. We need NVC Mouse. <laughs> That's true. Well now if I I there's probably another one in here, but that one was just um that one had to go. That one was no longer just hanging out in the basement. He made my wife scream like uh, like a like a cartoon. No. And the, she screams so loud. NVC Mouse actually jumped from surprise, but didn't run away. He just kept walking at a very leisurely pace. Uh, back into a, a tiny hole. So bye-bye, NVC Mouse. You will be remembered always and missed. And I'm sure I'll find your turds for the rest of the time that I live here. So anyway, NVC Mouse, there you have it. Now let's talk about the exciting 2023 that we have in store for Nintendo. Right off the rip, 
Fire Emblem Engage comes out in what? Yeah. 15 days, two weeks from now. And I know that we have some Fire Emblem Engage enthusiasts, enjoyers here. Perry, you shared uh, a video about the graphical performance. It looks like it's uh, it's going to be quite, quite lovely. Are you, well, are yeah, you the... looking forward to engaging in some Fire Emblem? Ooh, are you, you going to use Engage puns the, whole, the entire hour? I uh, no, I'm no, I'm not going to do that. That was accidental. No pun. Intended. No, so good job. Um, yeah, no, the, the Digital Foundry guys posted a, a little analysis on the on the graphical advancement. Obviously, that's what that um, YouTube channel does. They they look at games from a purely visual perspective, um, and uh, from what they've seen so far, the uh, the upgrades are all 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 good. Um, the game runs at thirty frames per second, but more consistently so than three houses and um you know one thing that we noted when we saw the game in the office is that the sort of the the new character portraits and the way that they integrated into the into the visuals is is much nicer now um and you can see some of that from from the footage that you've seen in the trailers that there are now you know there's there's more actually 3D rendered but but flat shaded um, uh, character art in in the in the cutscenes and in the action scenes and stuff. And so the changes that you make to your characters actually are reflected on screen rather than you know always switching between your, a customized character and like a a, a pre drawn uh, portrait of a character. So yeah, it's it's looking it's looking really nice, and I think. Um, you know, if you weren't a big fan of the sort of drab color palette in Three Houses, like this one looks a lot more vibrant. Mm, yeah, this one looks like it was designed with the OLED in mind. So, Kat, I know you're a big RPG yeah. fan, perhaps the biggest. Um, are you looking forward to Fire Emblem Engage? You know, it's funny. I just did a whole episode on my own podcast about Fire Emblem Three Houses, and that reminded me of how good Fire Emblem Three Houses really was. It was one of the best Nintendo yeah. Switch games. And Fire Emblem Engage, like, part of me is kind of like, okay, they're going for the Fire Emblem Heroes kind of thing where they have, you know, uh, very fan service bringing back all of the familiar characters. But Fire Emblem Three Houses really put me in the, the mood, the mindset to play Fire Emblem Engage. I'm I'm told that the social elements are actually a bigger part of this game than I was kind of expecting. I'm really curious to see how the tactics end up going because the tactics were one of the weakest elements of Fire Emblem Three Houses. But all things considered, really looking forward to it. My only thing is separate Claude, Dimitri, and Edelgard uh, in the DLC, y'all. Come on. Don't make them all one character. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the, the I'm I'm of two minds about the returning characters as well. Like, I I think it's necessary for Nintendo to keep ensuring that people who have never played a Fire Emblem game uh, will actually give it a try. And obviously, utilizing characters that everybody played at in Smash Brothers, which has you know many many millions of sales over over the years, is a really smart idea. Uh, on the other hand, like. Fire Emblem is best when they surprise us with new characters and they and and you have this sort of journey to learn who the characters are and they're not always all good or all bad and you know there there's some really interesting nuance in the storytelling of all the Fire Emblem games so I'm looking forward to that towards that I'm I'm still a little lost at like trying to kind of compartmentalize where this one this Fire Emblem falls right like if Three Houses was the sort of 
Harry Potter set up with, you know, a school where, uh, you know, things get serious, but it's all like in the beginning, it's all fun and interactions between these different teams. Where does this go? You know, what what is the sort of conceit for it? Multiverses. I mean, there's this oh, duality, no. right, within the characters and then returning characters. Um, we'll, we'll see. I'm I'm super excited for it. I'm I know every time a Fire Emblem game comes out, I I go to bed way, way too late. And then inevitably end up with a backache because I sit in, I try to like get more game hours uh, in by playing in bed and it's just never good. The only thing that makes me sad about Fire Emblem Engage is one of the best aspects of Fire Emblem Three Houses was definitely its world building and its story. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard. It, my feeling is that the story is going to be kind of playing second fiddle to the the fan service and getting the multiverse aspect of it and so i'm really looking forward to a quote-unquote real fire emblem one that is more standalone and isn't being like remember that character look there's tiki look there's sigurd etc so they used to do a lot of the fan service with the dlc packs right and with the sort of like the end game being able to to play more characters and having returning characters via, via dlc and all that so it it is interesting to see but obviously they can't do the same thing over and over right like the whole sort of now your kids travel back in time and join you uh, sort of that they, they can't keep going back to that well um yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm I'm hoping this one is going to be spectacular. That's the thing with Three Houses is that it was a huge shakeup mm -hmm. for the series. Yeah, it borrowed a lot from Genealogy of the Holy War, but yeah. uh, compared to like Birthright and Awakening, very, very different flavor. One thing I want to point out is I love how good looking this game is. It seems yeah. like we've all yeah. been complaining about the Switch's graphics so much, mostly because of Pokemon. So it really, I think, shows the power of great artwork and what it can do on the Nintendo Switch. It could still look very good, except for our uh, Aqua Fresh themed hero <laughs> with their blue and red hair. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of that. I think it'll grow on you. <laughs> I hope so. Look, intelligent systems, like they, you know, <laughs> sometimes takes them a little bit to get used to a, a new hardware platform. But like Paper Mario had some genuinely gorgeous moments in it, mm. right? Um, so I, I think this will be, look really good. And then, you know, the pre-rendered cutscenes in every Fire Emblem game are always really impressive. Um, you know, if you're, whether you're a fan or not, like they, they're just beautifully directed and, and, and beautifully rendered. So, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how all that looks too. Um, I was actually surprised. I thought leading up to this release, we would get a couple more, Maybe some classic translations. You know, we've got Super Famicom games that have never been localized in the West. I thought they would go to that well and milk it and, you know, release some Fire Emblem translated 16-bit games in, in 2022. But none of that happened. So it's maybe Nintendo. in the future. All yeah. bets are off. Everything you the, think the genealogy of the Holy War remake is in the same universe as the Metroid Prime remake. Yeah, that's right. Supposedly <laughs> out there, but seemingly never coming out. Yeah. Done sitting on a shelf. Reb, are you excited for Fire Emblem? Are you a Fire Emblem player and enjoyer? Yeah. I mean, I actually think I, I fill the niche that Cat and Pear do not, which is that I, I am newer to Fire Emblem, but really enjoy it. Uh, I had played when they came out with one on the DS or the 3DS that was like a remake and it had like Celica or something in it. I played that one all the way through, and that was my mm. first Fire Emblem, and Classic I thought it was fine. Toyota car I don't remember what Celica. one that was. 
Uh, and then, but then I played Three Houses, and I unexpectedly loved Three Houses. I was not expecting to get very into that game, but I played like I think I put like 80, 90 hours something in it. Wow. I played all the way through Dimitri's route, and then all, and then followed up and did like almost all of Claude's. And I intended to do more, but more games came out, so whatever. I I am kind of a shoe in for this. I will play this like just just very easily, but I'm a little I'm a little uncertain. A little tentative like i'm playing it pretty much on the strength of the three houses and how much i love that and assuming okay. a lot of people have said that this is a continuation of a lot of the changes that were made in three houses like more of the social features which is what i really liked uh and and things like that i i'm just a little skeptical about this one kind of because of the point that you all were making like i i have no i don't i have no connection to marth except he's the, like the smash brothers guy uh i don't know <laughs> who sigurd is i I, I I vaguely remember Celica from the one time I played that game. Like, I don't know who any of these people are and I don't really care. Uh, you could remove all of them from this game entirely and I would be fine. Like, who cares? Uh, so I'm a little, I, I, what Kat said, I'm a little worried that if it leans very hard into making these char- making these characters seem important or trying to be like, oh, you should care about them just because you remember them from these old games, uh, I'm probably going to bounce off a little bit. But I do sort of intrinsically trust them not to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. It does seem like they are sort of like fan service window dressing from what I've seen of the game. And it's not going to rely on them too heavily to tell the story. And so for that reason, I'm not, I'm not super scared. Like I, so you, I feel, I feel like I can jump into this and be okay. You played uh so you played Fire Emblem Echoes, the that, Shadows that, of Valencia remake. Yeah. Which was, that was the kind of Nintendo taking a classic Fire Emblem game and remaking it and then adding, you know, 3D exploration to it, yeah. which is something that has become a staple of the, the games obviously now. And, you know, they, they, they did with, with fates before that too. Um, yeah, that's, um, you know, I I go way back in the in the series. Um, you know, I I played the NES one later, but started with the Super Famicom games in Japanese, and so a lot of these characters are known to me, and it's great to see them back. But obviously, I'm in the minority in the U.S. Right, where a lot of people started. I I mean, I guess they there were a couple of remakes. Um, on, I feel on like the there's DS the people from, yeah. like me who started with the GBA games, GBA, like yeah. Blazing Sword. And then there are the people who picked it up when Awakening came out. And then there yeah. are the people who picked it up when Three Houses came out. I saw Lynn just now. Linda's from Fire Emblem uh, Blazing Sword. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's in this one. Okay, I yeah. definitely want her in my party. Like, yeah. she's one of my faves. So they're, they're getting me. Fire Emblem Engage is getting me. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm so excited. I think what it comes down to is even if you are not you know, familiar with the series, it's beautiful anime boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fantastical battles, so dragons, can, yeah, dragons, I, and you can ride a horse with wings, otherwise known as a Pegasus. I do think something that I, I think Pear brought it up earlier, but I maybe I'm just remembering wrong, but I feel like I have less of a sense, uh, less than a month out from release, uh, with this with Engage than I did with Three Houses of what this game is actually about. Right. Like, I you know, I read I read the plot synopsis. I've seen the trailers. I I actually I think I think a bunch of previews went up today, and I I haven't gone through those yet. But I don't, I, yeah, I don't I don't have a super strong sense that I know what I'm going to be doing. I mean, I guess I'm going to be with a group of people who's fighting a bunch of battles. But I even I can even remember like all the trailers for uh, Birthright and Conquest, uh, and I feel like I had a stronger sense of what those were about, and I didn't even play them. Yeah, so, there was yeah. Uh, one of the Facebook actually uh, group members was mentioning like they feel like there's not really been any marketing or any 
attention really given to this game as far as uh, a fire emblem like a pretty yeah it was announced it had a couple rounds of previews and now it's going to come out yeah it's not getting its own direct like a lot of big Nintendo games. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think because they are focusing Maybe. a lot on, oh, here come oh. these. And and again, I don't think this means they're going to take over the whole game, but they are kind of focusing a lot on, here are these characters that you know and love from past Fire Emblem games. It's taking up a little bit of the spotlight. Yes, Marth um, is in this one. Right. Yes. And so I'm sure I'm sure Great if I sat down heads. and watched like multiple previews and read a bunch of previews, I could probably put together in my head a sense of like what I'm going to be doing in this. Yeah. But just, just from kind of the basic level marketing i don't and i think that's maybe a a thing they should consider doing better i think some of it is by design they you know the the new previews are limited i think you can only talk up to chapter eight or something right and like a lot of the meat in the fire emblem games happens deeper in the story right like if you if you limited your description of most of the games in the past, you wouldn't even get to a point where the stories branch or the time travel happens or any any of that. And so I think we're we're meant to discover some of that stuff on our own. But yeah, we're we're going in knowing it's Fire Emblem, it's turn-based combat like it's always been. It looks more beautiful, and there's some angle to the duality in these characters and the returning characters. So I, I'm actually cool with not knowing that much and getting to a point where it a goes more. clicks. Oh, a little bit more. A little bit. A little, a little bit, bit more. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, we'll know much more in two weeks when it comes out on January 20th. My prediction, this will be uh, Captain Picard's favorite Fire Emblem game. <laughs> oh, God. I'm see, so see I knew it. Oh, man. I, I right. knew there was a list of puns you had written down, and all of them say engage. Super Nintendo World opens. That's the next probably big, gigantic Nintendo event. That's on February 17th. You can lose yourself in the world of Nintendo. One thing I've noticed, though, is they call it Super Nintendo World, but it's all Mario stuff. Um, Mm. And so I am proposing they have a Metroid area where you go in and you immediately lose your cell phone and wallet and pass, and you have to find (laughs) your way back to get them. So, yeah. That's I a little think... bit of a bummer, isn't it? Like it, it should be. You're. I, I mean, I guess the idea is that they're keeping it open for, you know, being able to introduce Pikmin and Metroid and Animal Crossing or whatever else later on if they want to. But yeah, that is. That's a little bit of a bummer. I would go to a. I remember at there was a PAX. What PAX was it? It it must have been like I think it was PAX East or something. Twenty twenty. Like, I think it was right before the pandemic. That was the uh, yeah, last that, one. That was it. it. It had to have been because Nintendo had a big booth there and they had a yeah. little Animal Crossing area. It was area. amazing. They had a little campfire. They had a little tent. You could take Rosalina pictures. Rosalina was walking around. Yeah. Tom, Nook, and Isabel were both were. Oh, my Wait, gosh. Right. And That's was, what I meant, Isabel. I don't know why I said Rosalina. Uh, well, maybe she was walking around, too. You never know what the, that Well, it was PAX East, so there's a very yeah. good chance. But it was so I, cute. And it was I just I just liked walking around that area. Like, I didn't need anything yeah, special. Yeah, it was I just, lovely. I took a bunch of pictures of me being an Animal crossing and it made me happy <laughs> like put that in super nintendo world guys yeah. so there is there are things like you described like there are hidden pikmin already in in super okay. nintendo world when you're walking oh. around but all the attractions of of course are mario themed until you know japan is already building the expansion with the uh, donkey kong world stuff oh. right oh. so already they're expanding and yes donkey kong mario are interlinked but it is it is meant to be slightly separate um I think they deliberately started with Super Nintendo World. This is the big partnership with Universal that also includes a major movie, right? And, and does that mean that Universal will someday make a movie around other franchises like, you know, 
I'm sure the follow-up movie is going to be a Donkey Kong one, but is there is there going to be more like Legend of Zelda and Metroid and all of that stuff? We don't know. But I think there was a very deliberate choice to not just call this the Mushroom Kingdom and be done with it. Well, okay. I mean, I understand why they went with Mario. Mario is more recognizable now than Ronald McDonald. Um, yep. So it's kind of a kind of a big deal. But what I'm saying is, I want my F Zero roller coaster. Damn it! That would be so cool. Where's my Pokemon World? I want to be a Pokemon trainer. I, mean, I want Pokemon uh, World deserves its own theme. Like like agreed. that deserves its own thing. Yeah, that one is more complicated from a licensing perspective I'm... because of how it's set up. But but um, I want to point out that the F Zero music sounds like Space Mountain already, so that's why it's so perfect. <laughs> It's a perfect fit. I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to the Donkey Kong expansion because you actually need to revisit it five times in order to unlock all of the attractions. So. <laughs> that one was specifically yeah. view pair. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping to go. Obviously, I want to go to Super Nintendo World. Like, I trying to finagle. I think we should all go uh, as and do a special mm. episode uh, from, from Super Nintendo World. I agree. Um, and you record, we'll we can all get into the Mario Kart ride and we can record, and we can them, record yelling at each other. Phones. Wouldn't it be cool to do a live show at Super Nintendo World? It'd be so yes. fun. Oh be my awesome. gosh. It would let's, like get it. A, let's get pitching that. Also, February 17th in Maine may be the worst time to be in Maine. So I would love to be in Los Angeles in February. Uh, but that remains to be seen. But that is that's a huge, gigantic, earth-shattering thing that Nintendo is doing. But that's not the only huge thing they're doing but we'll get to that because right now uh, a week after super nintendo uh, world opens kirby's return to dreamland deluxe which is a little bit of a cheat because it is a remake but that one comes out on uh, on february 24th and i also feel like i haven't heard much of anything about that game since since it was uh, announced at the direct what was that based on the wii game right yeah and it doesn't need like like what what is there to hear? This year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals, so I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh the Boston Bruins home opener, I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices 
in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um, unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your Nord VPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Nintendo VC. That's nordvpn.com slash Nintendo VC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Well, I don't know. It's well, a remake. I don't know. I know, but I, like I'm, I'm in Seth's camp where like I'm saying, explain to me why I should care. Like it's, yeah. you know, it, it, it was a fairly recent game. I played it. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Isn't it like ten it, years old? Yeah, it yeah, came out in uh, okay. 2011. Was uh, when they yeah, were... I remember Damn, reviewing it for GamePro, so it's not. Wow. It's kind of long ago. But, but um, you, you know what I'm saying? It's not a game I miss where I'm like, oh, I remember yeah. 1992. I played this great game, and I've never seen it again since then. It's like it's not like that. It's it just feels like I played this yesterday and thought it was fine. It's a perfectly okay co-op game. I remember it's very middle of the road as Kirby games yeah. go, which means it's very middle of the road as far as video games go it's like one of those games where the co-op <laughs> is fun because you're having fun as a family or circle of friends playing but it's like it's it's very loose right it's mayhem on screen and so you never get to this point where you feel like you're working together in this as a perfect group it is kind of like chaotic like you know right Ray, rayman is legends is like that too where it's like you're having fun but you're also dying because the game isn't quite designed for all like, the motion. I remember liking Rayman Legends better than uh, Mario, the 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 new Super Mario Brothers with the multiplayer, because I thought the multiplayer was uh, it was easier to follow on Rayman Legends and better done. I felt See, like. we got really good at Mario, and uh, both games are by the by the way, both games are great. We got really like, good at yeah. trolling each other in Mario, no. like picking oh. each other up and throwing each other into the <laughs> lava when we only had one life left. Like there was not, there was no cooperative oh, man. behavior there. Yeah, uh, we're watching footage of uh, Rayman, and I forgot. This is so pretty. This is a very beautiful this game. game. Was yeah, this they should was bring amazing. this back. No, Ubi made this and said this is awesome. Everybody loves it. Let's not do this again. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? No, actually, they did it a couple of times again. Obviously, they upgraded it, re-released it, and all of that. So it's not like it's inaccessible, and they didn't know what they had there. But yeah, that was. Isn't, a one of the, isn't the main Raid Man guy long gone from Ubisoft? Mm, yeah. yeah, he. I think so. That might be one reason why Rayman is kind of a dead letter with Ubisoft. Well, Maybe. you know, we got the rabbits. The That's ooh, not the you know, same. characters. Not the same. Man, no. I yeah, now I, I want to replay this game i had forgotten it's, it's really good it's really good, but, really good but, and it's yeah. very easy to replay i know i on. love this game yeah I, 
there there are levels in here you see it's very fast right there are levels in in Rayman legends where um when you're playing with four players one player will survive <laughs> basically you know it's like whoever is at the front <laughs> yeah and and like it, it creates an interesting dynamic where you're like rooting for the player who is not dying but it's like it's it's like these are these are games that work kind of they work because they they're fun in co-op but they're yeah. not it just like kirby where it's like you sometimes don't know where you are um it's the fun in fun in mayhem rather than fun in being in control yeah the kirby a, games call me when they're porting or remaking kirby planet robobot that game was yeah that was good. great that was good exactly that was oh really my good. gosh that yeah. was actually again revealing myself as like a novice to some of these franchises that was my first kirby game that i ever played wow and yeah. what a first kirby game it was yeah. it's all, all been downhill, downhill from there, from no. there. No, it's not. wrong forgotten land kirby oh right that was this mm, hmm. yeah yeah, I, yeah you forget about forgotten land no Aww. so i played i played forgotten land in co-op with my partner so i was and i was always the waddle d so i Aww. really really loved forgotten land but i don't think like i think robobot was the better experience for me as a solo player but i think forgotten land is objectively the better game if that makes sense yeah yep okay i think that's fair well that's kirby <laughs> 2011's return to dreamland deluxe because they couldn't call it return to return to dreamland because that would have just been silly. I mean, they so, can do anything I they think that want, would be awesome. Seth. Okay, fine. Make me look like a fool in front of the audience. <laughs> fine. I'd well, like if I had it or called that. What Nintendo don't. I don't know. Oh, I like that. All right. Now we'll get back to the earth-shattering Nintendo uh, news. The Super Mario movie <coughs> will be the biggest, which will beat the Lion King, the stupid Lion King movie, the to be the Lion biggest King animated movie. movie of all time. Releases April 7th. It's going to break all the records. Oh, unless you live in a major metropolitan area, in which case it'll be out on April 5th for some reason, because I don't know why they they do that. But uh, if you live in like San Francisco, the movies, they just show up two days early. We're all going to take a field trip and go see it, right? Yes, that's uh, we're, it's going to be a busy year for the NBC crew. We're going to be traveling all over the place. I mean, it's going to uh, be, yeah, it's going to be a great year for Nintendo, right? Yeah, I mean, between Zelda and, and this. Yeah, that's, that's a hell of a one two punch to start off your year. Yeah, it's a, it's a very strong um, beginning, or excuse me, uh, H1 of, of the year for Nintendo. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, but let's just talk about it again. I'm so excited. <laughs> every, time I... I see, every time I see footage of this, I, even though I've seen this footage before, hundred times it i watched i'm so excited it looks so i watched good. um i watched avatar with the kids um over the christmas break and the yeah this this trailer got cheers oh wow out of all the cool. of all the trailers showing this was the one where people were cheering that's because everybody yeah. wants to see mario get up to to no good get up to yep. some antics in the mushroom do you think it'll do better than sonic yes, yes. oh 100 percent. yeah i agree yeah um I, I and mean, Sonic I did not... really well. Like yes. the kids love Sonic. Oh I yeah. This, I think it's gonna do a billion. I think this is. I don't know if it can tackle Lion King, but it, it'll. This is gonna be big. I think. No, I think this is. I think if Lion anything King. can tackle the Lion King, Mario. Yeah. Our our boy Mario. I mean, yeah. the aside from the Chris Pratt discourse, which is very whatever, um, <laughs> both of the trailers have landed perfectly. I think. Yep. Um, and it's a gorgeous looking movie. Yeah. And I mean, let's be realistic here. Mario is everywhere. Like every, probably every country in the world knows 
Mario. Lions bigger than Ronald McDonald, I'm told. Bigger than Ronald oh McDonald. <laughs> Lions barely even reach up past uh like the like to Egypt anymore. They used to be all the way up into Europe, but after the Roman times they were hunted down back into their native habit. So yeah, very few lions, very many Marios. I'm saying like mark my words, come back and revisit this episode uh Nimfrendos <laughs> because I am saying it right now. This is going to beat the Lion King. And if it doesn't beat the Lion King, I will just say that Lion King wasn't really an animated movie anyway. Well, you eat a last hat. couple, last couple of weeks, Seth, you've been on this. Well, I mean, before the holiday, you've been on the show making some real bold predictions. Why do Why do you hate but... Lion King so much? Yeah, I don't I know either. D- this you know, is the, the thing is, you just want to take it down. This is I not. Love <coughs> the, this is not the, the original Lion King. No, I'm talking, talking about, about the the the. CGI. Oh, the CG one. This is the horrible yeah. one. Which right. <clears throat> Because they went too far. It used to be that CG, realistic CG, was still bound to the rules of animation. So it looked a little too floaty. There was a little bit too much motion, and which brought the realism down. You'll see that in a lot of like 2010 era CGI where animals move a little bit too much to look realistic. They got rid of that for the CGI uh, Lion King. But then it they went too far and it just looked weird. This has no soul. Like we're looking yeah, at we're looking soulless. at a clip right now that I mean, Jeopardy is basically showing for us. This has absolutely no soul. Like you know two, what Timon and Pumbaa and Simba no, and Mufasa no, are supposed to look like, and this is not freaking it. No. I didn't mind it. It it reminded me of like old like when Disney went not not that I was alive or or watching movies in the theater then, but it's like when Disney went live enough. action and did sort of like more scripted animal documentaries, right? Like uh, the Living Desert and stuff like that. I liked it for that, but like yeah, you whenever you compare a scene to the original animated oh movie, God. like any the the expressiveness of the faces just isn't there. And no. uh, they, but but nevertheless, it is. What do we know, right? It is the top-grossing animated movie of all time, time with one point six billion dollars made worldwide. For now, yeah, yeah, I'm and just sorry. Yeah, I know that. Going down. I don't think that just because something makes money that means it's artistically good. Well, well no, no, nobody says that. Look at the Transformers say, yeah. movies, but no, but it, but it's like, but but it, but it shows that there's an appetite for this this remake right people went yeah. and saw it because they love the original lion king and they're interested to see how this story is done and with kind of modern visuals but and that that is obviously one of the challenges nowadays is that you probably can't do a hand-drawn 2d animated movie and be up in the uh, top 10 top grossing movies because they're it's you know some shit. people Absolutely just don't not. want that it's but all... unless you're an anime yeah yeah but yeah the, much, the top but... 10 grossing movies each one made more than a billion bucks like the bottom performers finding dory and the frozen's all up there incredibles but number five is minions made by the team that is going to make the mario brothers movie so they're a hit factory over there they make they make hits they make money totally so mark my words lion king is going down (laughs) i saw lion king in the theater i was whatevered I didn't hate whelmed. it, but I was like, this isn't... Yeah, I was I was perfectly whelmed. I, that scene with the, uh, the stampede when they pour over the cliff in the animated one, it, like to this day, it gives me goosebumps because it's such an incredible scene. Just the animation, the, the scope of it, the scale of it. It's Seth, fantastic. I honestly didn't know that you had such strong feelings about The Lion King. I love The Lion... When I was a camp counselor, me and another camp counselor on Friday nights, 
we would sing Hakuna Matata. Aww. He was a little bit of a, wow. of a round fella, and I, you know, tall and skinny, so we had our roles, and we would do it, and the kids loved it, and they loved us, so... Yeah, there's that. Oh, man. See? Oh, my about... gosh. Like, just even in Ooh. this, the amount Look of, like, that. personality and soul that is here. I'm just cry now because the art of animation, like, it, of Western animation, is just dead. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I will say the scene that you're watching right now for our listeners is, of course, the Stampede, which is a beautiful, mm. beautiful example yeah. of the merging of 2D animation and CG because those news, whatever, wildebeest yes. are CG. I have two well, Lion King facts. Oh. Lion King fact one is that this was the B team of Disney animation at the time. The A team was working on Pocahontas because they thought <laughs> Pocahontas is obviously going to be a much bigger yep. hit than Lion King. And uh, Lion King fact two is the like five seconds of Hakuna Matata and Toy Story basically made Nathan Lane and, uh, mm. and company rich for life because mm -hmm. they get the wow. residuals forever. Oh, man. I gotta get on. I gotta get in on Toy Story Five. Hey, uh, I don't know who the CEO is now, but give me a call. I can do voices. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's the biggest movie of the year, followed by the biggest video game ever. Isn't it? Isn't ever? it some? Something so bold about this. Yeah, isn't this some Marvel thing happening? I, gotta, I have like a a wild. Now, to be clear, I don't believe this is going to happen. But what, Seth? What if Tears of the Kingdom sucks? It's not what if it's just, I, I know, but what if? Just imagine a world where it sucks. I have imagined <laughs> that world because it's sort of like a duality thing. You have to imagine the beginning and the end. There's no birth, there's no death. You have to imagine <laughs> it just being. And so there's I no have birth, considered no this game, you know, like I will be heartbroken. I will be devastated if this game is a nine. I will be oh like, my God, oh, son, no, you can't I, live I, like that. I can't That's help silly. it. I'm not. That's it's silly just, silly. just a number, Seth. It's okay. Well, I tend to agree with a lot of our reviews for Nintendo. That's another mm. thing is I have my name down on the review uh, sheet that we have with like eight other people. And I'm, I kind of don't know if I would want to review this game. Mm. Oh my God. Oh, hell no. There's I so don't much know that you discover. do. Like, yeah. kudos to whoever on our team takes it on like we have so many amazing reviewers on staff so i reviewed the first breath of the wild years ago for lucky uh, a, well no uh for That's a job. hard work it yeah. was oh, and know. it was yeah. i was like a young i was i was like just coming up I, it was a small small site and we were working really really hard to get noticed and we we had a really good relationship with nintendo back before nintendo kind of like locked down review copies really hard so smaller sites can't get them and we, i somehow got a nintendo switch breath of the wild uh one two switch and i think a copy of like ubisoft's whatever the just dance was that year it would have been just dance 20 2008 it would have been 2017 because it was like the, oh. the port um and i got all that for review and i had a week and a half for all oh, of it no, so that's a, no, no. that's a hardware review and three software reviews and i don't say this with pride like i i tell young writers don't do this crap this was not good or healthy at all and i i did it i turned them all out and it it did well for us but i don't i don't think it was worth the the amount of agony that i did putting all that work into it and honestly like i gave i can't, i think i might i think i gave breath of the wild a perfect score and i still buy that like i agree yeah. with that but i remember walking away from that review thinking i think that was an incredible game like absolutely phenomenal and i i don't want to pick it up again i'm exhausted yeah. i don't want to touch it like 
Ah, and I was watching everyone else on the timeline discover all these things in Breath of the Wild, all these secrets, all these amazing things that I had missed. I mean, I I, I finished the game. I did the story. Like, I did right. all the things I was supposed to see for review. But people were discovering new stuff in that game for months afterward. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I couldn't love it. And then I finally picked it back up again for the Champions Ballad DLC in December. I didn't touch it between those two oh, points. Wow. And I picked it up for Champions Ballad, and I didn't have a deadline that time. And I just started very slowly poking my head into the world again at, at my own pace. And, oh, I loved it so much more that time it was yeah. so much more meaningful to me and i again like i i think i scored it right the first time i i was like kind of looking at it through this critical lens but looking at it just through a personal lens i loved it so much more and i i can't imagine it, it breath of the wild is probably my favorite game of all time going oh, wow. back but it's, sure. i think it's only my favorite game of all time because i went back during champions battle and played it at my own pace and so i can't imagine doing tears of the kingdom on any kind of short uh no. deadline based time frame hope, no, ma hope. no matter what that time frame is if they give it to us two months in advance great for them i don't want to do it <laughs> i hear Here's you yeah go ahead pair no i hear you it's it's the sort of the you know the pressure of of playing through a game on on deadline is definitely can definitely have an impact and like as a reviewer you kind of got to shield yourself from it right i remember um, I remember when we played Jet Force Gemini and, you know, Matt was getting really, really frustrated because there was a part in the game where it sent you back to collect all these different things, just like Wind Waker's, you know, Shards Quest, where you're like, oh, I just want to get on with the story because you felt like you were getting to a conclusion. And then the game goes, hey, but now do all these other 10 things and revisit the things you've already done. And Jet Force did that, too. Uh, where you had to uh, chase down those horribly square-faced um, little minions, whatever they were called, um, gerbils. Um, and, and like, yeah, that can impact you, and you can get annoyed at the game, but when you play it not on a deadline, I think more often you have the sense of, like, oh, no, the game is ending, and I really love this, and I don't want it to end. And That's... so you got to shield yourself from that. Yeah, when That's you're on deadline and you're really stressed, I think the points that are irritating become magnified mm -hmm. in a huge way and can impact your perspective and outlook on the game. But more than that, and this is a whole discourse, I think, but Ooh. video games these days are just meant to be digested slowly and enjoyed mm -hmm. and talked about and experienced and shotgunning it in the span of like a week or 10 days. Um, I mean, we did our Elden Ring game a review in like 10 days, and that's a game you ingest over the course of like mm -hmm. months. Yeah. Right. So it's how do you even get the right perspective on a game like Tears of the Kingdom in a review? I don't know that you can. The game's yeah. going to be enormous. It's going to be huge. Yeah. There's going to be so much to discover. It's it's so strange because imagine if food criticism were the same and you had to like speed eat like coney oh island God. style you know like this delicious steak and then give an honest uh opinion of it where you didn't end up hating the steak or choking on i mean there's a reason i don't do game reviews much anymore like i do madden well uh personally but... i love reviewing games um, yeah and i sometimes do like i played octopath traveler like eight hours a night for what like six nights in a row just that's exhausting was... man so it was exhausting but i was enjoying are... it and i like it but i really a... like reviewing but it. there's the like strain of person who will like i know somebody who platinumed elden ring in like two weeks and they that's... had an incredible yeah. time with it, and there's so. a difference between doing it because you're so engrossed and can't put it put it down and doing it because you know you have to mm -hmm. also and like well, honestly i, I, I mean i'll just get spicy to, for a minute like to 
No, I know. And, and that's look, look, different different things work for different people, but we Game publishers need to give us more time on these things. We're getting, yes, I'm getting spicy that's now. That's the bottom uh, line. And, and that's, and that's kind of why, like, I've, I mean, I've you're been really so great. stressed on Pokemon. That, and that, yeah. And I really want to shout out our uh, head of reviews, Dan Stapleton, for all three of the last Pokemon Legend. reviews where we were given really restrictive embargoes. So, really, Diamond Shining Pearl, Arceus, and Scarlet Violet, they were really restrictive embargoes. And they were also really, really time limited. Like, I don't, I can't, I think I had like a little over a week on. Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. I can't remember how long I had on that one. Uh, Arceus, I had like a week and a half. And Scarlet and Violet, I had like a week and a half. And that's not enough time for those games. No. And on in all There's three no occasions, on, on the first two, we held it for a couple days just because uh, we were able to take a little more time and, and sort of avoid be able to talk about the full game that way. But Scarlet and Violet, we held it for almost another week because uh, we... One, the time crunch was too much, but two, uh, the multiplayer wasn't even online. And I I feel very confident that having that extra like three, four days did shift my perspective on it because I was able to spend more time with it overall and then also spend time with a feature that ended up being really technically messy. And I remember talking about Scarlet and Violet on this podcast like in preview form and being very like unsure about it, but mm. very positive about its it's promise but then the over the next couple of days i just kept running into problem after problem and it it really just soured me from there so yeah you gotta gotta give people more time on these things yeah. sorry i, I mean, just totally derailed us no no i, I think the awesome. what you're describing though is our learning experience as as game reviewers over the last two decades plus right where we are now a little bit more confident to put out a review in progress that may not have a score on it where we just state, hey, like there's a piece of the game we haven't been able to test. Here's all the stuff we tested. And if that's enough for you, hopefully this review gives you the sort of guidance you need yeah. to make a choice. Because like there, there are lots of people who want that sort of rubber stamp of saying this is great or, or you know, the caution that it isn't to help them make the decision because it's, it's torturous to have to wait um, on a game that you were anticipating, right? Everybody wants that sort of that rubber stamp and 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 the the rating before the game is out, so that they can either video game not buy culture. it or go out and buy it. The fan culture around video game reviews is mm -hmm. frankly bizarre. I mean, that's if you go to Resetera and you, the way that they're scoreboard watching with Metacritic yeah. scores, as if that stuff actually matters, being like, oh, I, I'm sure that there's going to be a whole conversation about whether or not Tears of the Kingdom has a better Metacritic score than God of War Ragnarok. And frankly, mm -hmm. who cares? But people do care. And frankly, I don't have a lot of truck with the consumer reports style of video game reviews, but that's what the audience seems to demand a lot of the time. Upset uh, of the audience, right? Like you'll find yeah. that in, in entertainment too. There, there are people who live or die by the Rotten Tomatoes score and like the Rotten Tomatoes rating, like you can get a, a 90% positive movie where every reviewer gave the movie a six out of 10, right? Because <laughs> that on that scale conversion is considered a positive. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's arbitrary stuff, but like, I just see it like that's a subset of fandom where people are really kind of excited about the process of video games and the competition between the platforms and the exclusivity deals. And like, yeah, it, you know, you don't have to subscribe to it, but, but I always, I, you know, I'm fascinated by it and, mm. you know, whatever floats your boat, if that, that gets you excited, um, 
I certainly was there as, you know, as a younger person. When I ran my Nintendo 64 fan site, I was like, Heck yeah, we got this game and it's better than this PlayStation game coming out today. You know, like we when I read there. GamePro back in the day and they had the five exploding heads scale. Yes. Yeah, so that's like right. <laughs> red, orange, blue. And if it was four reds and one orange, I was so upset. I wanted all of the red heads, the red exploding heads. <laughs> Yeah, and it is you know I I forgot who um, a Mal Malton the movie reviewer he um he gave Alien a negative score, and like I stopped trusting the man's reviews even though he's like one of the most famous movie reviewers right he reviewed hundreds and hundreds of films like off the statue of of uh, of like somebody like Ebert, and like it was that one review I'm like nope not gonna listen to this man anymore. Yeah, he I said it was crazy. gross. I think it's like, I think this is just this whole. This is like a whole podcast worth of a conversation. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is sort of part of this ongoing thing where, as games are increasingly becoming accepted as a mainstream art form, at what point does games criticism also start acting? Not not just the people doing it, because I think I think the vast majority of the people doing games criticism games criticism are talented writers who are doing their best uh with sort of the landscape that they're given but at what point do we collectively as as audiences as 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 games publishers as everyone else start treating games criticism as criticism of an art form instead of sort of i think like games criticism service. has already arrived in that regard but the it's people the doing people it who are doing the youtube videos months or years afterward who are doing like it's, the six hour yeah. deep dive criticisms into it the actual review that comes out day of can't possibly delve that deeply into it to the point that you would call it like real criticism. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, we do this with art of the level, right? If, if, you know, if our mm. listeners are interested in this sort of deeper criticism, we take a level in a video game that impressed us. And like years or decades later, we, we talk about what made it so special. So look that up. But um, yeah, look, I mean, video games are also complicated, right? It's not like a painting. Uh, mm -hmm. Not to say art isn't complicated because an Andy Warhol and a Rembrandt are nothing alike, right? And there are games that are designed to make you think, to make you feel stuff, and there are games that are designed to thrill. And like, if you go to that whole Martin Scorsese discourse around are are Marvel movies just amusement park rides, or are there you know are they actually art and all of that? You you could apply the same to games where Tetris is a very very different experience from a game that is driven by a story. And so maybe it's okay if criticism isn't always deep and about meaning and emotions, but also about thrill and entertainment and puzzles and all of that. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think that one size just doesn't fit all. Yeah. Mm. No, you so, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what is subjectivity? Who, who could have thought? <laughs> well, if you follow Dan Staple now, a reviews editor on Twitter, you'll frequently see how he gets irritated at a user tweeting at him saying, game reviews are supposed to be objective. And then this Dan will biased. respond. Dan oh will boy. respond, uh, this game has 12 levels, therefore it is great. Right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, if, you, if the critic is not impacted by something personally and things in a game don't, don't, you know, connect with something in your own personal experience, then you're not actually criticizing it. You know, if, you, uh, if yeah. you're, you're listing people, it. People very frequently come after Dan or when, or, or when I review or anyone reviews a game because it's a not objective and it was a biased review. 
Uh, isn't it uh, up to us to sort of make that clarification uh, to the audience or to give the audience what they are asking for in some way? Obviously, we can't be like, yes, it has 12 levels. The graphics are suitably resolute, um, <laughs> runs at a smooth frame rate. Therefore, 60 frames per second, 10. But I, don't know, I, I think about this a lot, like uh, when people get mad because our review didn't hit them, they're a lot of times just being awful trolls, but there's also some people who don't actually understand what the purpose of a review is, and maybe we should be trying to figure out where we can meet in a middle ground there. But. Yeah. Strive for an I mean, ideal. As with, as with everything, if there's a specific kind of writing you're looking for, or a specific kind of review you're looking for, I mean, it exists out there. There's people in the space doing the work. Like IGN true. is not always going to have the review for the game that you are looking for from the writer that you are looking for it from. And that's just, that's any site. That's just how the industry works. Find a group of writers that you like and trust and keep an eye out and, and, who are good gauges for the kinds of things that you like and are going to enjoy. Like if you, if you generally like all the same games that I like, then you probably want to, you know, check it out if I'm reviewing something and really like it or don't like it. And then you maybe want to avoid it. Uh, but you want to find a collective of people who resonate with you, uh, regardless of what site they're at and keep an eye on what the work they're doing and the kind, the kinds of work they're doing too. So not just reviews, but deep dives, like the art of the level stuff pair was talking about and, and other kinds of content that might give you perspective on a game that you didn't have otherwise. The stuff is yeah. out there. You just got to find it. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, it is our, it, it is our jobs that, you know, the people running IGN and creating the content here is our job to make sure that that, that, that we clarify the voices, right? We can't, we can't always say, do your own research and figure out what Reb likes. We got to provide you with that information. And so one of the reasons why we created IGN playlist is that our staff creates lists of the games that they love and hopefully you know, our hopefully our fans have seen that in more reviews that we actually try to provide this sort of context. Here are the reviews the uh, the the reviewer has written previously. You can look that up. But if you want a shorthand, we often embed these lists now that show you what other games the the reviewer liked. So yeah, you did that. It was a really good recommendation when I did the Scarlet and Violet uh, review. I remember you asked me if I would make a playlist of my favorite Pokemon games. Yeah, so I love that, people, that. So that people could click that through in the review and then get a good gauge. Okay, Reb's a Pokemon fan. These are the Pokemon games she thinks are really good. Therefore, compared to Scarlet and Violet, okay, I didn't like any of the Pokemon games she thinks are good. So maybe we have different Pokemon tastes. There you here, go. Or, oh yeah, <laughs> Pokemon Crystal is the best Pokemon game. Maybe she knows what she's talking about. Uh, yeah, so things like that. I thought that was a really, really good suggestion. <laughs> no, I think that's great. Thanks for thanks for doing the extra work. If you don't mind me bringing it back to Tears of the Kingdom really quickly. Oh, right. <laughs> no, oh, remember that one? That, that game you were talking about. Objectively the best game mm -hmm. ever made. What I'm curious about, actually, is will it, in fact, be the biggest game of the year? Because I oh. think that what people are... What is coming out next year? Well, Star this year, Starfield is coming year, out, and yeah, uh, Starfield is coming out, and Spider-Man 2 are coming out, Ooh. and Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy are coming out. Yeah. And uh, Call of Duty is kind of taking a year off uh, from the sound of it. Um, yeah. Good for them. Yeah. yeah, about time. I so mean, they... <laughs> so the question is... Which game is going to be the one that dominates the discourse at the end of the year? So, the, I mean, w what we don't get this year is this sort of Elder Scrolls release across five different platforms, right? Yeah, like, they're true. definitely the games that are on multiple platforms well, on, on both next-gen con uh, consoles and or current-gen <laughs> and PC. They tend to kind of top the list. But, you know, pound for pound, Switch has the biggest install base out of the consoles. You know, obviously the PC market is huge. 
um, and and we'll never get complete numbers of what sold on on Steam and you know through uh, through other um, download services like Epics and GOG and all of that. Um, but I I do think you know I I think Spider Man will be very high. The PlayStation Five is on fire. It's it was yeah. the best selling console in December. And you can get them now. Mm-hmm. And the, I think and, the Switch and... just barely edged out the PS Five as the best selling game in the UK. Okay. At the end, but PS Five is still doing very well. PS Five is doing well. It's definitely you know they're they're probably more lapsed players with Switch than they are with the the newer consoles. Yeah. Um. But I could I could imagine. The the demand for Tears of the Kingdom is so high. It's been six years since Breath of the Wild. It's six years. And, and to answer the question, like, what if this isn't good? It's gonna be good. That was a joke. I, it's gonna. Yeah, be good. no, no. Like, but but it's like I I worry about that too. We've we've gone from like Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mask in like the period of of a year. And honestly, in hindsight, it's like, how was that even possible? Maybe the because, question isn't will it be know? good. The question is will it be how? weird. Yeah, so that, and I, I think Kat nails yeah. it. So I think that, yeah, Breath of the Wild was so extraordinary because of the many ways it surprised us, right? Like the way, yeah. the way the sandbox environment worked, uh, the the discovery, the the real, like on the mountaintop, you see that mountain, you can go there, but then there's yeah. like 50 other things in the way that you're constantly being distracted by. Like it was, it was really like not anything else we had played before. Yeah. And I think that's like, I don't think to, if Tears of the Kingdom was just Breath of the Wild 2, like with the number slapped on it, same kind of stuff with more story, it'll be good like we'll enjoy it we'll have a nice time but it's not going to dominate the conversation in the same way because we've seen it all before and the things that have me cautiously optimistic are the the trailer stuff we've seen about like time rewinding and going up in the sky and back back up and down and we've we have some guesses as to what that might entail but we don't really know how that works and so are those mechanics going to do something totally novel with this world that's just going to make our brains explode and if they do then yeah it probably will take over the conversation in the same same way but if not i think starfield's probably going to eat its lunch i think it depends on how good starfield actually is that too Mm -hmm. starfield's gonna be an eight out of ten i mean if star okay okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna be clear here starfield is my most anticipated game i'm also wow traitor okay if the second it comes out you're never gonna (laughs) see me again it's the game i've been waiting for forever it's for me too yeah it is Probably the most ambitious game that Bethesda has ever attempted. It's on a level of magnitude so much more than even like Skyrim and and Fallout and whatnot. And honestly, I do trust Todd Howard, but also I know that there are going to be a billion videos about all the glitches For sure. and everything. And they had to push it once already because it wasn't ready. Yeah. yeah so. And it's not Tears of the Kingdom twice. So it's yeah. true. Both and games are going to be very ambitious. And it's not it's not Fallout 76 where people want one thing and they get something different that they didn't want. And like that said, Fallout 76 <laughs> certainly improved over the years. But like I I think we'll see, right? A lot of people want Elder Scrolls in space, and I don't think Starfield's gonna be that. It obviously isn't like No Man's Sky either, with this sort of kind of free-flowing explore the universe and land on a planet stuff, right? Um it looks I, I'm all in. I think the difference with Tears of the Kingdom is that Nintendo it, it is a little bit more like the Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mass Jump, only with way more development time. Here's why I'm so excited about Tears of the Kingdom. They have 
They're reusing the engine. They have these incredible game systems that I'm sure took forever to nail right. Like just the the stuff that Breath of the Wild did where you, like you light grass on fire and it creates an updraft and you're able to fly into the sky and all of that and like shoot people with arrows from the air and they grab your weapons that you left behind on the on the on the ground like all of that stuff must have taken ages to create and they got all that and they take yeah. all that with them into this new game and so i'm very very hopeful that it has this sort of majora's mass genius where they spend time on creating something structurally unique or something where we're 10 hours in and we go oh my god like yeah. the first time you saw a dragon in breath of the wild like oh, those yeah. moments um, I'm hoping that this game is going to deliver them. So we one of the things that Breath of the Wild did that we take I think everyone takes for granted is you could just climb everything, and that was such a technological achievement that no other game has done <laughs> that. You can't just mm -hmm. climb every place in every game. Only Genshin Breath of Impact. the Wild allows you to do that. What's that? Genshin Impact does. Genshin Impact doesn't count. That's a game for nerds. <laughs> but it was a big difference because I'm I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed games, right? And like I always love, I always thought, oh, Assassin's Creed's so cool. You can explore everything and kind of ignore that the fact that if there's a small fence, sometimes you cannot yeah. get into yeah. that yard, right? Yeah. And and this game kind of this bricks that are have a little yeah. bit of a shadow on them yeah. And, yeah and the way this this you know the way breath of the wild developed is just so cool that they created these limitations oh, so like good. it's raining and therefore you can't get up here and then like you overcome those difficulties or it's cold and therefore you cannot hang out here and yeah and then it's it, such but a, it still managed to do that very we're looking at gameplay of the shrines right now it still managed to bring back that very contained zelda puzzle style yeah. because like a lot of the kinds of puzzles that you do in the shrines would not be possible in this giant open world. You just jump over them. Who cares? But yeah. it, it had that really nice balance between these more self-contained puzzles and then this giant world where everything was interconnected and, and functioning together with these systems. And you could not cheat, but quote unquote cheat to sort of do things that you might not think of doing otherwise. Yeah. And then it's... there was the whole great plateau at the very beginning where Ugh. it tutorializes all of that for you in this Again, so small self-contained area. One of the greatest tutorial the... areas ever. So good. I, I love, yeah, I love, sometimes Nintendo's design gets so ambitious that they kind of, they, they give you all these abilities and all these different things to create. And then you can tell they get to a point where they go like, Oh man, now that we've turned everybody into Superman, how we how do we produce a challenge that kind of knocks them off their balance a bit? And like if you play Super Mario Sunshine, they give you this jetpack where it is very easy now to not fall off platforms. And then you go into a bonus level and they go, yoink, and they take it away. <laughs> and suddenly you're, you're like back in Mario 64 and you get this reminder of how hard it was to do it without those crutches, right? And like I'm hoping we get lots of that in Tears of the Kingdom, where we're gonna get we... every. It's gonna make all your Nintendo dreams come true. That is my vow right now. Yeah, be an, let's... Gonna make a new eleven on the scale. If it lands oh, correctly, that... I, I think I think it's gonna be the Elden Ring of twenty. Yeah, twenty three. Because there will be 100%. so much to find. It will be so social media forward. Like even today, the Breath of the Wild clips that people put out just blow my mind in terms yeah. of what people are able to accomplish. Uh, I'm sure that it's going to have the same foundation, at least the same spirit. It's just going to be heavily expanded and it's going to have a lot of different things. So if that's the case, I look forward to finding the Let Me Solo Her of uh, Breath yeah. of the Wild too. 
I want yes. like one one thing that's really interesting about Breath of the Wild. It's not a game that's reported on by playtime the way that you get your Steam statistics or yeah. you go into the Xbox dashboards and you can see what games people are playing. But I think a lot of people are ignoring how popular Breath of the Wild is today. And like I can tell you that when we look at at IGN traffic, obviously a lot of IGN traffic goes to strategy guides and tips and all of that, right? Like that's a sort of universal need that a lot of players have and since the launch of that game, every year that oh. game is in it's either the top most visited game or or within the top three. Because you buy a yeah. Switch and you buy Breath of the Wild, the attach yeah, it, rate is say, so up there. That and Mario Kart, yeah. And Mario Kart and Zelda. To guess, I don't have the, I don't know for sure, but if I had to guess, I, I think that it was probably like the best-selling game through our Black Friday coverage. There you go. Yeah. And still, and, and playlist too, right? I mentioned playlist. You can mark which games you're playing, which games you've completed. Um, sorry if I sound like an advertisement, but I'm really excited about this because we are we over-index certainly on the console side versus the sort of you know Steam PC community stuff. But like playing this week, number one is God of War Ragnarok, which we expect. Number two is Breath of the Wild. Hell yeah! Right? Um, it's still up there. Like every at, week, you look at the NPD numbers, which are the yeah. like sales numbers for the United States that they publish every single month. And I, I'm, I'm ballparking here a little bit because I don't have them in front of me, but I cover them every month. And pretty much every single month, uh, Breath of the Wild remains in the top twenty. Which I mean, twenty sounds like a big range, but when you think that oh, about like five of the top, like basically the entire top ten is brand new games that have come out that year very recently that people are just buying in spades. And the fact that Breath of the Wild stays in the top twenty every single month since twenty seventeen—that's nuts! That's nuts! So many people are buying that game. So what you're saying is the tears of tears of the kingdom's biggest competitor is Breath of the Wild. Oh dang! It's gonna be cannibalizing itself. I don't think so. I do think we'll see a spike in Breath of the Wild sales when Tears of the Kingdom. I definitely. I mean, this whole conversation, I'm like, well, I'm starting Breath of the Wild again. I guess I'm going to. Yeah, well, I'm going to be picking it up again myself for sure. And I bet a lot of people are picking it up because of Tears of the Kingdom. Well, the question I have is, do we think that Nintendo is going to do a hands-on preview event before Tears of the Kingdom? Or do you think that they're just going to let Nintendo Directs do the heavy Ooh. lifting? No, I think they'll do a preview event. It'll be I really think... limited in, like, like in what you the previewers are able to do, but they want to give them that little taste. So when that happens, one of us have to basically kick down the door. All of us! Fight! 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 Let's go. <laughs> I feel senior seniority should really Damn. count for a lot. Whoa! Um, Age not and gonna, wisdom. Not gonna torch off to the new talent pair wow oh, they've got so this many is the guy years who's got left. like reggie in his oh contacts on his iphone like they can be they, you have no proof of that <laughs> the three of us can take you pair yeah that is true that is true <laughs> one I mean, of you we can, can take all me. go that'd be a lot of fun we can actually. all go it'd be amazing <laughs> Uh, right. Preferably to uh, to the to to Japan because I've never been to Japan. And I Let's go. Let's go hang out right. with Aja Onuma. That's it. All four of us. Man, Japan, this is the, the, the you made so many plans today. Come I know. Lots of field trips this year. 2023. Let's go. I mean, we could just travel. Two birds, one stone here. Go to Japan for the Tour of the Kingdom preview event, and then go visit Mario World. While we're Super there. Nintendo Land. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easy. Uh, it's, it's a pilgrimage. So there it is. Um, well. That was the beginning half of <laughs> Nintendo's year. We were actually running kind of short on time 
So we will talk about the second half of the year in a later show because that one's a little bit harder to pin down. The only game that really sticks out to me personally is Octopath Traveler 2 comes mm -hmm. out in the second half of the year, I believe. Really quickly, any any predictions for 2023? Oh, very quick prediction. Uh, I think uh, I think I'm stealing somebody else's prediction, but uh, credible new Nintendo hardware leaks, not an announcement, but credible uh, leaks or information. My prediction is that despite the war between Russia and Ukraine continuing, we will actually get advanced wars because someone is going to realize that it's not the same <laughs> um, as a real war situation. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping we see it in like February. Oh, Red? Okay. Uh, my prediction is that you will go to IGN.com and read our Nintendo predictions for 2023 piece, which I read. Yeah, that's right. It has all of my predictions in it. <laughs> There you go. Oh. And Kat, your prediction? Metroid Prime 4. I'm right there with you. People oh, they, are they going to make that? Are they, are they going <laughs> to... They'll announce they're, a developer? Dead they're going to announce a new trailer <laughs> yeah. for Metroid Prime 4. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think all of those predictions have a very real possibility um, of, of happening this year. I'm, I'm very wishful on Metroid Prime 4, but I do think... I think it's a surprise. Metroid I think Dread we'll at least see like... it. I think this is when we finally see Metroid Prime form, at least, yeah. if not a, uh, if not actually getting That was my bold prediction there. in my Nintendo predictions piece, and I had some people tell me I was being silly, but no. Well, I, they're I being silly for not subscribing to. How many years has it been at this point since it's been uh, five, they? Six years almost. <laughs> since they rebooted development. Oh oh uh, God, that was like four years ago, wasn't it? Two thousand. Yeah, I thought it was like 2018, 2019, something like that. Yeah. Any minute, it's been a minute. It's about it's time to show years. something. Yeah, right. and guess what? E three is coming back, and we're all going to be there to do a live. My prediction I is I will be at E three. My prediction is I will be at E three. Come hell or high water. Hell yeah! And then we'll all gather in a hotel room and watch Nintendo Direct together. Yes, <laughs> and it's going to be so exciting. And we will recreate the famous reaction photo, but it will be completely done organically because they'll show something real boring like uh, a sensor. That goes on your finger and tells you uh, if you have good rhythm and then they'll show us metroid prime 4 and we'll all get really excited so reb you are excited yeah. about something happening this weekend would you mind uh maybe letting us in on uh, your excitement for this weekend's events yeah absolutely so i i was a little hesitant about talking about this because i feel like a lot of our regular audience probably knows that this exists but i wanted to spread the joy because i didn't always know that this existed and i think everybody should know about it uh awesome games done quick 2023 is this weekend it starts on sunday uh there's a pre-show starting at 8 30 a.m uh and then the actual show itself starts at 9 a.m uh, what this is, is if you, maybe you, maybe people in our audience have never heard of speed running, which is basically what it sounds like. It's playing video games really, really fast. Uh, and there's a lot of people who have gotten very good at doing it. Uh, and that can mean just like playing it with a lot of skill or using like, like weird glitches and things to, to beat a game as fast as you possibly can. Uh, but anyway, Games Done Quick is a, a twice a year uh, there's an awesome Games Done Quick this time of year and then one in the summer, Summer Games Done Quick. Uh, it's a speedrunning marathon that goes on for a week. So it goes Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Saturday. And uh, it, the whole point is to raise money for charity. Uh, it's really cool. But basically it is a marathon where people just play 
and speed run, speed run like a series of incredible games back to back to back. So there's basically something from 9 a.m. on Sunday until the marathon ends on Saturday or like Sunday morning the following week if it bleeds over. Uh, someone is speed running a game constantly on their Twitch channel. Uh, and it the lineup is honestly incredible. Uh, they're opening with Splatoon 3. Somebody nice. is going to beat Splatoon 3 in an estimated hour and five minutes. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I And then immediately after that, relevant to what we were talking about, someone is going to beat The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in 29 minutes or less. What? Uh, freaking incredible. Then I can uh, see. Other stuff, yeah. I, other stuff on here like Sim- Castlevania Symp- Symphony of the Night, Donkey Kong Country Three is on here on the first day. Just like very quickly scrolling through. Uh, oh my gosh, there's Skyward Sword is in here. Uh, World Ends with You. I love that. Power Wash Simulators in here. There's custom <laughs> maps for Celeste. Uh, I saw Final Fantasy VII in here someplace. Mm. Uh, on the final day, uh, Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Pokemon Legends mm. Arceus, someone's going to beat that in two hours and 45 minutes. I didn't know you wow. could do that. Uh, and then their finale game is Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, it's someone, they're speedrunning Metroid Dread. Uh, all, botch, Ooh, awesome. all bosses glitchless cool. in an hour and 35 minutes. So, Holy cow. Yeah, like I, I love this. Um, I'm not big into sports. I did get into wrestling this last year, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> but for the longest time, watching games done quick twice a year was like my equivalent of watching the Super Bowl. Like it was the, it was like a, the, the, feeling of watching sports it's actually you're watching their the super bowl because it's, it is it's usually exciting stop it Kat. i'm going to introduce you to the women's world cup this summer. Great. please do please do uh but it is like you get really excited you're watching these people and they're they have really good commentators who even if you have no idea what speed running is or have never played yes. a game that's being shown on screen before there's pretty much always someone on screen explaining to you what's going on and how they're doing this trick and you develop this really great appreciation for how much effort and how much skill it takes to do some of the things that these runners are doing. And there, I, I think this one is virtual. I don't think they're doing this one live, but they've done a really good job of integrating uh, the Twitch chat into sort of a little animated virtual audience. So you get the feeling of the audience cheering along when, when cool things happen on screen. And it's just, it's a really wonderful, joyful, celebratory event. I love watching it every year. And I am super stoked on Sunday to just wrap up with a blanket and get, have my cats pile on top of me, get a snack and just sit there for hours watching speed running marathons. It's going to be great. Great background noise. Yep. So lovely. Yeah. It's one of those things you could just tune in almost to any, just turn it on and you'll be sucked in. 24 like, like seven like, even if you don't know the game and what people the, pull off in those so speed runs is phenomenal like yeah. the skill on display is amazing yeah. one there's of- a there's specifically a block they do i don't remember what morning it is it's one of the weekday mornings at an absurd hour like like midnight to 5 a.m or some nonsense uh where they specifically do runs of games that are traditionally considered to be not very good or very silly or or full of bugs or very clunky or some reason uh it's They've historically called it the awful games block, so awful games done quick. And it's it's a stupid hour in the morning, but you just turn it on and you're watching somebody play like some obscure Garfield game you've never heard of. Oh yeah, Garfield Kart Racers. Yeah, I definitely recommend that everyone go check that out. It is there and there's go on YouTube and just look for clips and you'll see, you know, sort of like a, a who's who or a what's what of some of the most amazing I think it was a, a, a games done quick where the guy was playing uh, the arcade version of Tetris and there's like the master level. And when you beat it, the credits roll and you can't actually see the pieces and he still managed to like mm-hmm. win. It's just like, yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's superhuman. It doesn't even make sense how people can do that. And yeah, 
awesome recommendation, Reb. Everyone go check that out. That's just twitch.com or twitch.com. I'm an old man. If you just Google Games Done Quick, you'll find their website and you can find Pick up your remote control. Pick up your, (laughs) tune your TV to channel three. You're going to want to pull the rabbit ears out. Don't touch that dial. Don't touch that. Don't copy that floppy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good job, Seth. Yes, thank you for uh, making me feel old there. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, well, now it's time for question block because unfortunately we ran a little bit long talking about Tears of the Kingdom, which, I mean, uh, if we weren't constrained to time, we would still be talking about Tears of the Kingdom, the greatest game uh, of all time. So Noah Eastwood asks, what is a game you played and loved when you were young, but revisited later and realized the game was actually awful? Well... I have an unbroken streak on this podcast as of late where I mentioned Donkey Kong 64. Yep, there it is. That's what it is. <laughs> and, same uh, same it. hat. That's it. So, uh, Reb, you agree? Donkey yeah, Kong that was it. It immediately came to mind. I loved that game as a kid. I still love it. It's terrible. It's not great, <laughs> but I am drawn to it anyway. Don't I care. Want to play it again anyway? When I played it, when I first played it, I obviously wasn't a kid. I was a little older already. But um, when I first played it, I kept, I was torn. They were like, they were like moments that I genuinely loved. And then I was irritated at the overall kind of like how incoherent the world felt and like how many things you had to pick up. It, it was just such a weird It's a world of game. monkeys. Of course but, it's incoherent. No, totally. Somebody, the monkey god created it by banging I on know. a typewriter. But then you'd unlock Donkey Kong like the arcade machine in it and it was yes. in love again and it's like it's it honestly it is like a roller coaster it is like a crazy minecart ride where certain things are so much fun and then like it's just the whole i think when you're done you're you're mostly exhausted but like i i felt that when i was first <laughs> playing it if i had to pick some some games for to to answer this like when i was a kid um my first console was the Fairchild Channel F, and then my oh friend my had, God. A, had an Atari oh, 2600, Christian. the Atari VCS, and we played a lot of games on that. And honestly, when you're when you're little and the, you play your first video games, you're just amazed at the fact that there's these brightly colored dots moving on your TV. Yeah. It was it was magical, and I absolutely loved Raiders of the Lost Ark on the Atari 2600, mm. and like. It to in my mind it looked like the movie and it sounded like the movie and it was so cool you could explore stuff and like when you play it now it is virtually unplayable and it's, I'm like it's, it's bad it's obtuse and way too complicated and the game doesn't tell you what it wants you to do and like it's it's kind of broken and it's not a good game and I would say that that playing Atari fifty and going back to some of those older games that's just true for most Atari twenty six hundred games. Some are bad approximations of much better arcade games, and some yep. are kind of very unique, creative endeavors where uh, somebody made something happen with this limited hardware, which is in Atari 50, the documentaries explain how crazy that machine was and how different you had to think to program for it. Yeah. But what came out was usually not very good. Not good. Yeah. I no. interviewed Howard Scott Warshaw last year about mm-hmm. E.T. And it was really fascinating talking to him about E.T. is w- widely regarded as one of the worst games of all time. But it was really fascinating talking to him about exactly like why it was the way it was. And the answer is like partially very tight deadlines, but also partially that's just what video games yeah. were. I yeah. mean, were bad what were you going to do? In the scheme of things, E.T. wasn't actually that bad compared no. to most of the other games. No, it just didn't. It, super it was just it. overproduced. And anyway, Kat, what is your answer to this question? What is a game that you loved as a child and now you realize isn't that great? 
I have two answers. Okay. First one is a console, and that's the Atari 5200, which is oh, my first ever console. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I loved it as a child. I loved playing Space Dungeon and Breakout <laughs> and Star Raiders. But in hindsight, it was a pretty bad console with Not very good. mushy joysticks. I remember the joysticks yeah, they very, were. very well with yeah. their very mushiness. And at the time, I didn't care. It was a video game, whatever. Um, the other game is Battletoads uh, for the NES. Yes, that's a, a game that I rented a, approximately a million times and got to the final level, never finished it. It was very hard. Um, and in hindsight, it's kind of like this mishmash of various concepts, vehicle levels. Um, the balance, the game balance isn't great. It's the NES version is so busted that you literally can't finish the game if you're playing co-op. <laughs> um, but it was gorgeous yes. by NES standards, and it got a cover story on Nintendo Power, so yeah. everybody just lauded it as one of the best NES games. But in hindsight, not that great. Not that great not, of a game. Not a great game. Not a fair game and not a particularly fun game. But like you said, it looks amazing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was, it was a hot time for humanoid reptiles. The number uh, I mean, of times I, just... I died on that stupid level three, the turbo tunnel. The worst, most sadistic evil level. Mm -hmm. It's just not nice or fun or fair to children to have to put them through such such torture. Apparently, the Japanese version is oh. easier. That and... is not at all what I expected to hear. Usually it's the other way around. Um, I would love to talk about Battletoads because I have lots to say about it. But unfortunately, we are all out of time. But before we go, I have a few favors to ask of you, the listener. If you're watching us on YouTube, please leave us a like and a nice comment. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, please leave us a review. It helps us spread the good NVC word, and we will be forever in your debt. Also, Stitcher users, we're looking into that. We don't know why it hasn't been showing up on Stitcher. I want to say thanks to Jobert on the ones and twos this week for helping us out. Uh, and most of all, I want to thank you all for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can get the thing. thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.